Hey, hey, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 36, and I am really excited about today's show because it's an interview I recently did with Will Churland, and he is he's doing awesome, and he's been he's got a huge history because he's been doing it since he was, oh gosh, before he was out of high school, I believe. He's a young guy, but he's already been through college and all that, but his brother kind of showed him the ropes way back. And uh, it's kind of interesting to hear his story. So I'm going to share that with you today. You know, he's built the business to a $6 million business in just four years. And uh, it's by wholesaling and private labeling and, and all of that. And he's got a huge amount of information to share with us. And I can't wait for you to, to listen in on this, on this interview that I did with him. And he's going to talk about product selection tips, but also about some of the struggles and challenges with shipping. If any of you are thinking about going bigger with your shipping, I mean, as big as shipping containers from China. And uh, he's got all of that stuff that he's going to share with us today. And even if you're small, just getting started, there's going to be definitely some golden nuggets that you're going to want to listen to this interview. Um, I picked up a few things and uh, I know you will too. So with that being said, I just wanted to touch on a few things. I've been receiving a lot of emails from people about the workshop that I recently did and wanting to know if there was a replay. And yes, there is. If you have not watched it or you want to watch it again, you can head over to the amazingseller.com forward slash workshop. And that there, I went over the five phases to launching a successful product on Amazon. These are the phases that I've come to use and kind of retweak along the way. And uh, that's what I'm going to share on this, or that's what I did share on this workshop, which was a lot of fun. We had over 700 attendees, over a thousand people signed up. Really, really awesome. And I'll probably be doing another one, another one of them live in the future. Uh, probably, uh, I'd say within the next month. But Anyway, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is uh, the Facebook group for our podcast. It's been off the charts. Awesome. It's growing rapidly, but yet more importantly, it's becoming even more of a resource for you guys. And there's so much information from a lot of smart people in there. And uh, I just advise anyone to go over there and uh, request to join. You do have to request and you do have to be approved, but uh, for the most part, everyone is being approved until uh, someone starts posting spam or something, which we've had that already. You're going to get that. We understand that. But as soon as uh, someone flags it, we go ahead and we delete that person and uh, ban them from the group. But you can head over there to uh, theamazingseller.com forward slash FB, F is in Frank, B is in boy, and I would love to have you. I got to read you. Uh, I, you can actually see the picture if you go over to the group. Um, I'll... Uh, I'll actually uh, even post something about it, but uh, yeah, I received uh, Travis Ross, if you're listening, thanks so much for that picture. It was really cool. Um, I kind of asked everyone if you would post a picture of where you are when you're listening and uh, you know, kind of to, to get us to see where you are, and I've had people all over the world send in pictures from you know Belgium, from to Thailand, to you know all over, Colorado. Uh, this one here is from Colorado too, by the way, uh, but he, he writes, uh, walking my dog Willow and listening to the podcast on a gorgeous day in Colorado. Hey, Scott, two questions. Is Brody single and does he like younger dogs? <laughs> and he's got a picture of him and his golden retriever. And a little uh, little backstory here. I had a golden retriever for 12 and a half years and his name was Cody. And we named Brody after him. We just changed it to a B for Brody. But uh, yeah, he is single. He is single. Uh, <laughs> thanks a lot for posting that, Ross, too. Or uh, Travis, Ross, Travis, 
that's two first names, isn't it? Ross and Travis, Travis Ross. I don't know. I'm kind of screwed up there, but Hey, thanks a lot, Travis for posting that. Um, the one last thing I wanted to do though, like I always do is thank everyone for leaving the iTunes reviews and the feedback. It's been just awesome and they keep coming in and I wanted to read one right now to you that, uh, that I just thought was, was really cool. So, uh, this one came from the champion 163 wisdom and authenticity, five stars. Um, and it actually Joe Moffat is the one who wrote it. Actually, you wrote your name. That's pretty cool. At least I know the name now, not just the username. Scott shares his wisdom on what to do in such a congruent way that you truly trust him. As a newbie, you look for some someone to model that has the success you're looking for. Scott's the real deal. Highly recommend if you're looking to gain wisdom in the Amazon business world. Thanks, Scott. Joe Moffat. So, so thank you, Joe, for, for leaving that. It was really awesome. And uh, again, keep these coming. I really appreciate it. If you haven't left one net, uh, yet on the, on the uh, iTunes review uh, site, then Go ahead and do that for me. That would be awesome. So with that all being said, it was a mouthful, but we're going to go ahead and dive into the interview. So enjoy it. And I will talk to you at the end of this show. Well, hey, everyone. I am really excited today to share my next guest with you. His name is Will Churland, and he is uh, pretty successful at Amazon, I guess you would say, uh, <laughs> selling quite a bit through Amazon and has for uh, a few years now, uh, several years, and uh, has uh, quite a bit of a history here to share with us, but uh, has done wholesale and also private labeling. So we're going to dig right in. Will, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is going to be awesome. I, I can't wait to dig into your story, and, and I know I, I've heard a little bit of your story, but um, maybe you can kind of just take us uh, you know, back to you know, how it all started for you to get kind of in the Amazon game, and then kind of uh, maybe the process through there. Maybe we, then we can stop, pause, and, and kind of dig into some of these areas. All right. Sounds good. Um, well, I'll start my story off with saying that... Um, my brother actually started selling online in around 2002 when he was a freshman in college. And I, ever since then, I've been kind of infatuated with the whole idea of e-commerce and selling online. And as he bought and sold more items from Alibaba on different marketplaces, I kind of followed in his footsteps. And now my brother and I have been working together full time for three years now. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. Now, let me just stop there for a second. So 2002, so your brother was, was he was uh, going right through Alibaba back then or was it? Yeah, he okay. had to uh, wow. um, deal with all the bumps and bruises himself. He um, Nowadays, if someone goes on Alibaba and they see a tablet for $20, most buyers know to stay away with away from it because they don't understand the quality or even what operating system it's going to be running on. Sure. And my brother had to kind of figure out all that stuff on his own because back in the day, you got to think of the equivalent of a $20 tablet back in 2002. And my brother thought, wow, I can't believe I can get these this cheap from China. This is going to be a gold mine. And then he finds out that the quality assurance isn't the same as over here in the States. Sure, sure. No, that makes total sense. But that's that's really cool. 2002. I mean, we're going back a, a ways now. And I mean, in, in, in internet years, that's like 100 years. <laughs> yes, um, one, one of his first cases, which is pretty uh, funny nowadays because they're everywhere, but uh, one of his first um, products was actually selling iPod cases. Okay. So before even the iPhone. Oh, wow. And so he was way ahead of that. He was actually um, went around and got a bunch of D1 University's um, logo rights and was printing their logos on iPod cases back in 2002. Oh, wow. So that imagine yeah, the, what, it, what that could have been if you would have kept going with that. Yeah, and it's funny because I think I own the first generation iPod still. So I go back that far. <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. They got the four buttons up yep. top and everything. Yeah, it didn't even, have a, uh, didn't even have a colored screen. It was like, uh, you know, like that 
you know, old computer screen. It was just black and white in a sense. Yep. Yep. And, I know uh, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it was about. a white, white, and I had a leather case uh, back no. then. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that, that's that's pretty cool. So, all right. So, um, so he kind of got the, the the ball rolling, I guess you would say. And then, you know, you're kind of watching this thing. When did you decide to kind of get involved with him? And then, how did that develop as far as like partnership? And then, you know, like what's your, you know. I guess, what was your next step? Well, I had been, my brother is six years older than me. And I had been selling throughout my time in college. And I had been private labeling products and kind of selling products here and there. But um, when I got close to finishing college, I kind of discussed my brother. And he was kind of thinking that Amazon specifically was going to be the future and that he really wanted to kind of jump in head first. Mm-hmm. And my family owns a manufacturing company that had extra warehouse space. And so it was just perfect timing, right place. We got two people who want to sell online, who have experience in it. We got extra warehouse space. We got um, kind of me just graduating college, everything lined up at once for us to get into the Amazon business. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool. So you you were fortunate that you had a brother that was <laughs> that was kind of figuring this whole thing out, which is great. And then uh, and then also having you know the uh, the, the resources, I, I would say, um, to be able to you know, like you said, have stuff shipped to your place and then store it until you wanted to ship it in. Um, so was he doing FBA right from the beginning, or no? We didn't. Um, it took us a little bit to figure out that FBA was the route. He had um, he was actually a specialized in the beginning in selling on eBay. Cause that's obviously okay, a lot yeah. easier for third party yeah. sellers to get into. And, um, we kind as we got more professional, we kind of transitioned over to Amazon and Amazon has now, we do about seven times as much sales on Amazon as we do on eBay. Wow. And, and, you know, saying sales, I mean, do you mind sharing like roughly like what's, what are you generating? Like is, uh, you know, per, per year or per month, however you want to do it, um, but just to give us an idea of, of what kind of revenue you're bringing through. Best way to describe it is we did about 2013, we did about 1.2 to 1.4 around there million in sales on Amazon. And in 2014, we did about $6 million in sales on Amazon and about another million on eBay. Wow. Wow. That's impressive. Um, and and is, is all of that private label or is there some wholesale in there? I would say about half and half wholesale and private half and label. Half? Okay. And, and I'm sure you're finding that the profit margins are higher for the private label than the wholesale? Um, yeah. And in some cases it's, um, I got a lot of wholesalers too, that have a minimum advertised pricing and so they can keep their margins pretty high. Okay. And I mean, so, I mean, what are you looking for in a product when, when you, you go to get it? I mean, what kind of margins are you hoping for? Um, after everything, after landed cost, Amazon fees, everything I'm hoping for around 20%. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's, that's decent. Uh, it's real, real decent. Um, okay. So now, I mean, I know people listening are gonna be like, wow, that's a crazy number. And, you know, I think the one thing that we talk about on the show is that we, we get people that are not doing that much because it's more realistic, but obviously it didn't start that way for you guys. It, you know, it started probably, uh, well, your brother already kind of had a, a, his foot in the door, but you know, like how, how do you say that you scaled that to get to that number? Like, what do you think one of the things is for, for scaling something like that to get to that number? Cause not everyone can just, you know, out of the gate, you know, yep, even do no. 500,000 a year. You well, know? yeah, it's, it, it does depend a lot on cash. Luckily my brother had saved up since he'd been selling since 2002, he obviously had some cash saved up from sure. his previous online selling and that combined with, um, just working with the right suppliers who have a bunch of different SKUs. Okay. 
So if you sit there and you try to find, I got 1,700 SKUs at the moment, a little okay. bit over 1,700. If I tried to find 1,700 suppliers, I wouldn't be able to scale that quickly. Mm-hmm. But instead, if I have 17 suppliers who have 100 items each, it's a lot easier to scale. And so next time I order a container, I don't have to order a container of just one item. I can order a container of 20 different items and 10 of each one of those. Gotcha. gotcha. And so that way I can flip my inventory that much quicker. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and even on a smaller scale, if someone's starting out from scratch to try to find one supplier that has maybe five products they can private label to the same customer might be a good idea. Well, exactly, exactly. You sit there and you, um, yeah, that's one of the very first steps when I'm looking for um, a new product is that I want to make sure the supplier sells many different products beyond that one because it makes it that much easier to fill up a container. And once you can get to that 20-foot container um, status, it's so much easier to sell products online because the shipping is crazy cheap compared to getting that much product shipped to you via air. Yeah. Now, now give us now just a little background on the shipping because I know that's a lot of a lot of uh, struggles that people have. Um, and I know just starting out, people aren't going to be buying a container. But you know, people that are listening that might be at that point, or or even in the future, you know, for people that get to that point, a container. What's the actual size of that? Do you know, like the, the like well, the dimensions yep. to fill that? Um, I I know that they come in. 20-foot containers, 40-foot containers, and 40-foot HQ containers. Okay. And the 40-foot HQ container, I believe, is about a foot taller, and you only kind of get the 40-foot HQ if you just have an odd size item and you just need that extra foot. Gotcha. And um, the thing about, for me personally, I live in Minnesota. Okay. And on average, a container costs, a 40-foot container costs 4500 bucks to ship to us from China, and a 20-foot container costs around three grand. Okay. And so the thing is, is that once you're getting up there and it doesn't take that long to you to get up to a $3,000 shipping bill, shipping via air. Sure. And so you get to that point where you're like, wow, it's going to cost me 3,500 bucks to ship this via air. I might as well just order more inventory and get it via sea. And though, even though it might, may take longer, you'll save a lot more money per unit. And so when I can get a $4,500 container and it has 4,500 units on it, I'm only paying a buck per unit shipping. And that really cuts down um, your overhead costs. Yeah, no, that's, and, and that's a good point. And I mean, people listening probably aren't at that point, but moving forward, even myself, like I'm not at that point. But um, if you're, you know, my thing that scares me about, about that, and maybe you can, maybe you can help us here is, you know, Number one is, yeah, you're buying more inventory. That doesn't so much scare me. The part that scares me is, is, is getting it from point A to point B, freight forwarders, you know, that type of stuff, and then customs and all of that. So maybe you can walk us through that process and maybe just, you know, demystify some of those thoughts. Um, so this way here, you know, we can kind of understand the process. Well, for right off the bat, I'll let you know that we're actually, I have no affiliation with them, but we're actually switching over to Flexport. And okay. Flexport, from the demo I've seen, they pretty much take care of every little step for you. They make it all automated. They make it really easy, kind of um, step by step. You can see exactly what step you're on, what you need to do next. And they keep all your paperwork, too, and um, make sure that it's available if you ever get audited. So if you're a complete rookie to importing, I would try some service, some all-in-one all service like Flexport. Okay. But um, besides that... The way it usually works out is I um, tell the, I first off will contact the supplier and say, hey, I'm interested in so-and-so item. How many of these items fit in a 20-foot container, a 40-foot container, and a 40-foot HQ container? And then at those quantities, what's the price per unit? Gotcha. And so right there, I can figure out how many fit in a container, how many I'm going to have to order, and exactly where the price cut is. 
Okay. Okay. And then once I get that and I'm okay with it, I'll ask them for a pro forma invoice. Okay. They'll send over a pro forma invoice that has all of their information on it, their banking information, all that kind of stuff, my business's information, all that kind of every all the information that's needed. Okay. Once I have the pro forma invoice, the way I usually set it up is it's thirty percent paid to get them to start manufacturing. And once the container hits the water, I pay them the the rest of the seventy percent. Okay. Okay. And um, now, do you usually do wire transfers for that? Not the first time. Okay. The first time, I always do PayPal. Okay. Because even even the suppliers that I met at the Canton Fair and met with them face to face, I still just always do PayPal the first time because PayPal will refund you every single time. And once I've paid with PayPal once, and we've kind of worked out that we're doing going to do future business with each other, then I'll do wire transfers. But um, the thing with PayPal is there is the extra fee, but I see that kind of as um, paying like an insurance policy. Yeah. And do you take that on yourself as making that up for them? Because I know even myself from asking them, they're like, well, it costs more. And I've offered to even split the cost with them. Um, Or if they didn't go for that, I would just pay the whole thing. But yeah, I just pay the whole thing. Yeah. So it's like what, 5% or something like that. Yeah, it's 5%. And you just got to think of it. Okay. So I'm buying a container, say the whole container with the inventory costs $40,000. Yeah. 5% of that is not going to kill my margins. And if I keep buying, say two containers a year for the next 10 years, that if you divide the 40, I mean the 5% over the the lifetime of how much you're going to order that product, it really equals out to nothing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's like you said, it's an insurance policy in a sense. Um, So, okay. So now the next thing is okay. So that flex port or a, a freight forwarder that's an all that they basically do everything for you step by step, take mm-hmm. care of all that stuff. What do they usually run for uh, for something like that, like a container? Um, it really depends on. Um, I hear about people who got um people on the ground in China and they're super cheap. I've heard of people using bigger businesses that are a lot more expensive, but usually it shouldn't be anything for a, like a freight forwarder type person. It shouldn't be anything more than like 500 bucks per shipment. Okay. So, so they're basically to handle that whole thing about 500 bucks is what you could, you yeah. could kind of you know plan on again, which needs to be figured into your, into your, you know, cost of goods and all that stuff. Um, but that's just part of business. Um, okay. So now the next step in this whole thing is you got this big, huge container. Where does it go? Um, well, the way we have it worked out, which is we're just very fortunate and lucky that my family owns a warehouse because we're a big pain in the ass whenever we get a container <laughs> in because they um, take the container, they'll bring it up to the loading dock, they'll drop the container, and then they'll say, we'll pick it up tomorrow. And so then my brother and I frantically go back there and try to unload the container and label it all up bef- so we don't... Um, get in everyone's way at my family's business. Gotcha. Okay. So now is this like a tractor trailer type trailer? Is it, or is it a container that looks like a, it like looks a, like a, a container you'd see on like a train. Oh, okay. Okay. It's like a full size, like 40 foot container, I know. Like, yeah, exactly. or like on the back of a semi or something. Yeah. Okay. I, I got you. So they drop it there. Uh, and then from there you got to unload the whole thing. Yeah. And since it takes, it takes a while to unload one. And especially if you order multiple different things, you have to separate as you unload. Mm-hmm. And so every time we just tell the truck driver, Hey, just come pick it up tomorrow because there's no reason for him to sit there and wait for eight hours as we unload it. Yeah. Okay. Now, if someone didn't have the luxury of having a warehouse like yourself, okay. Now, would they just deliver that to Amazon and then Amazon unloads it? How would that work? Or do you have no, to have a warehouse? No, no, no. Yeah, it's, I, I hear people 
every once in a while try to send their product straight from China to Amazon. And that sounds like the biggest headache in the world to me because you really have to put a lot of trust in your um, Chinese supplier. And if Amazon rejects an entire container, I don't know if they're going to reject it all the way back to China. And then what do you do? Pay the shipping twice? Because that would be the worst case scenario. Oh, gosh, yeah. And so the, as we unload the container, we're kind of doing quality assurance as we label them and stack them and do all that kind of stuff. Um, if you did not have a loading dock, I know that they could just drop it off in your driveway too, but it might be kind of a pain in the butt since it's going to be four feet off the ground and so you have to climb up there every time you want to get something. Yeah. And I know too with like, um, if you're sending out pallets and you don't have a loading dock, you can pay around like $50 um, to the freight company and they'll make sure a truck comes with a lift gate. Okay. But I don't know if they can do that with containers too. Gotcha. Okay. So containers is, is really a whole nother animal. Uh, really. Um, yeah, but it's at least in Minnesota. I know um, real estate's cheap, but you can get a, like a fifteen hundred square foot warehouse with a loading dock for under two grand a month. Okay. And so if you're at the point you're buying containers, you're probably at the point too where you can afford two grand a month for warehouse space. Gotcha. Okay. 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 So that's good. I'm, I'm glad we covered that though, because a lot of people are you know interested in in how that whole thing works. Now that Flexport, do they also deal with just you know, more of a basic where they'll do pallets and they won't do containers? Yeah, I, I believe they'll do everything. Okay, good, good. Okay, because I know a lot of people listening are going to be not needing the container, but I'm glad that we covered it because it does cover that whole freight forwarding thing and a container if someone is at that level. But um, but definitely if someone's looking to go, you know, see and have it delivered that way, even with a pallet or two, um, then they could, uh, maybe look into that particular company. Um, I have no affiliation with them either and I have no idea, uh, you know, how that works, but, um, it's a good resource to have. So we'll definitely put that in the show notes. Um, okay. So moving forward, let's kind of, let's kind of go you know, dig this down a little bit deeper though. So, are you always looking for new products or are you just kind of content with what you have and just reordering and then selling? Or are you always looking for new products to add? No, if, you, if, if, if you're content, you're dying. You got to always be looking for new stuff because the last thing you want is a few of your products. Some other person starts selling them. You're drinking drops and then you don't have any products to add to your um, inventory. So yeah, I'm always looking for new products. It's a constant. I'm not always able to order new products because our cash is tied up, but I'm always on the lookout just in case. Gotcha. So take us through that then a little bit. Give us uh, maybe a little bit of an idea of what you look for when when you know looking at, at products and how do you maybe get ideas for, for products that you want to sell? Okay. I'll start with wholesale first and then I'll say sure. what I look for in private sure. labeling. In wholesale... I look for a product that has a bunch of reviews, a bunch of good reviews, that's high ticket, like at least $100, and is not fulfilled by Amazon. Okay. There's a bunch of products out there that are not fulfilled by Amazon that have like 60 reviews. Okay. And you go in there, you contact the supplier, you go to their page and do the become a wholesaler tab, click on it, fill out your information. Almost every time you get accepted and then you can get a price sheet and compare your price to what they're selling it on Amazon. And if it's even close, I'll sell the item, fulfill it through Amazon and win the buy box 100% of the time. Gotcha. That's, that's interesting. So let me just kind of go back and then a little bit. So what you're doing is you're going and you're finding products that are not fulfilled by Amazon. So they're fulfilled by merchant. And then from there, you're clicking through that particular seller because they're selling wholesale. Oh, direct- no, the, the actual brand name. Oh, the so brand name. Okay. So gotcha. Say they're gotcha. selling, um, company, a mops. Okay. 
And then I would go to company A's website, the manufacturer's website, and become a wholesaler. Through I got you. I got you. Okay. So you're using them basically as as the person listing it. They're just not fulfilling it by Amazon, but you're not going to that company. You're going to the company that they're buying it from. Exactly. Gotcha. And now, too, that um, we have the purchasing power, it's nice, too, because we usually can get lower pricing than the person who's selling it on Amazon. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. That that's good. Okay. But you're saying that you'll win the buy box just by being fulfilled by Amazon versus fulfilled by merchant. Exactly. And usually these, um, high ticket products are usually, um, oversized too. And so that's the last stuff that anyone ever wants to pay for shipping on. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Good. And, um, usually those wholesalers, are you usually finding them within the U S um, yeah, they usually end up being U.S. brands. Sometimes they're Canadian ones, too. Um, it really depends. But um, yeah, just kind of looking around and you'll just see, uh, yeah, exactly how I described it. You'll see a hot selling product and it's not prime yet. And you just kind of shake your head being like, this is a missed opportunity by someone and you go and take advantage of it. Okay. Okay. That, that's great. Okay. So now take us to the next, uh, the next thing, uh, you know, the private labeling route. Okay. Now, how do you look for those products or do you do what you just did? And then maybe instead of wholesaling it, you might private label it. I sometimes do what I just told you where I'll private label a product and then I'll actually kind of do it the reverse. I'll private label a product and then I'll contact every wholesaler uh, I mean, every manufacturer that um, sells a product that's similar to the one I private label mm-hmm. and become a wholesaler for all of them. So no matter if someone's shopping around, they have to buy a product from me. Oh, I, I see. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. That, that's really and, good. Yeah. And so they'll look at, they'll search a certain, they'll search a certain product and um, the first five listings will be mine. And though, even though the ones I'm wholesaling, I might be only making five bucks a unit off it, but it's better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, 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 that's pretty, uh, that's pretty clever. Actually, so what you're doing there, just so I understand that, so you're private labeling the product and then you're going to then be the manufacturer in a sense or the, the supplier mm-hmm. and then you're going to sell it to those people. Maybe they want 100 units. You're going to ship them 100 units to wherever their location is and you're just going to make your, your oh, money. No. Oh, no, I think, no, sorry, I described that wrong. So say I find it, um, I find, I'm going to use an actual product just okay. so you can have some sort of idea what I'm talking sure, about. Sure. Okay, say I'm going to sell a can of, lemon lime soda. Okay. And so I would have Will's lemon lime soda that I private labeled. Sure. And then I would contact Mountain Dew, Mellow Yellow, Sprite, and all those companies and become a wholesaler of their products too. Oh, okay. I see. And so then when someone searches lemon lime soda, they'll see my private label brand and then they'll see everybody else's that I'm more times than not controlling the buy box. And so no matter if they're shopping around, they're more of a Mountain Dew person, they're more of a Sprite person, they don't care, they just want the cheap private label brand, they're buying it from me regardless. Oh, I and see. And I just completely take over some niches. Oh, I see. So you're filling up the, the listings with yours, whether they're wholesale or your private label. Yep, exactly. Gotcha. And so they can sit there, go through the whole front page, and they can't help but buy something from me, even though they don't know it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that, that's, that's interesting. interesting. And so, like I was saying, with the wholesale stuff, I might not make much money. I might make $5 a unit, but it's better than making no money and losing the sale. Yeah, no, exactly. And then by you wholesaling it, though, so you're going to have to have that stuff in <clears> your <throat> warehouse then. Um, yes. Well, I have it all at Amazon. Okay. Yes. Okay. Right. But you're going to have to get it and then ship it in to yep, fill those, exactly. to fill those. So if you have 10 on that page, you're going to have to have 10 separate products Yep. that that's going to do that. Okay. That, yeah. That's, that's interesting. I, but, it's going to take more capital, but it's definitely interesting. On, well, on how and you then the same thing is though, is in that say those four suppliers, the Mellow Yellow, the Sprite, the Mountain Dew, yeah. they also make all different kinds of pops. 
right. or sodas. And so then I'll go and private label all those sodas and then carry all their other brands too. Oh, I see. And so every single, there say there's 50 different sodas to choose from. Well, every single type of soda you search for, I got the top five listings for every single one of them. And it's always the same vendors. Okay. So, okay. It, so it's not like I'm just have, like I said earlier, I don't have 1,700 suppliers and 1,700 products. I have about 15 suppliers and 1,700 products. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It's funny too, because um, there was another uh, guy that I was talking to uh, who, who actually said that uh, one of the strategies uh, to, to basically take over your market is similar to what you just said, but almost like if you're private labeling a product is to rebrand it again with maybe another brand that you own. And then now you might have five of those, but they're all your products. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Well, and two, once you become um, a distributor for a couple of them, a couple brands, you can then, when next time you want to become a distributor of another manufacturer, you say, hey, I sell soda for a living. I carry this brand, this brand, and this brand. My customers keep asking about um, your product. I want to give my customers the best experience possible. Can I also carry your brand too? And so it gives you that much more leverage when you carry brands within the same niche. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's that's cool. Um, okay. So now let's let's kind of really distill this down. So if you were talking to someone brand new right now, okay, and you got someone that comes up and says, "Hey, Will, you know, how do you do this thing? What do you, what do you suggest I do? You know, I, I want to get started in this game. What are you what are you uh, giving them for advice to a pick a product, b get it listed, and then you know c get it selling? Um, first. And foremost, what I usually ask people is if they have any hobbies or anything they're really into. Okay. Um, usually, most sellers I see always sell in either like the workout category, the kitchen category, or like the um, like pet category. Yep. And all those are super saturated, and I kind of just stay away from all those. Mm-hmm. But um, say I talk to someone, they say, hey, yeah, I'm super into kayaking. Mm-hmm. You go, okay what's some weird kayaking things like um, equipment and pieces you need that a normal person wouldn't even know about. Right. And those are the type of products I like to sell. Okay. And so it's like, Oh, you sell not just a GoPro mount for your helmet. You sell a GoPro mount for your helmet. That's waterproof for kayaking. Okay. And so even though it might be the same item that someone else is selling, you're labeling yours as for kayaking. Gotcha. And so then that you capture that, traffic and then you go okay people also like to have um koozies for their drinks that float Mm -hmm. and so you kind of go after that and so it's you the more you're in you're saturated and you're i mean not saturated but the more you're into a niche and the more you're um into like kind of a subgroup the more you'll know exactly what the consumer is looking for Right. Okay. Good. Okay. So, th- so you would tell them to do that, do a little research. Now, what would you tell them to do? Go on Amazon and look at other products. Would you tell them to go, you know, I mean, how are you going to validate that you want to start launching that okay. product? The, this is if you have a little bit of capital. So it, this doesn't take a ton, but you got to be able to waste a little bit of money. Sure. But um, the way I would do it is go on AliExpress.com mm-hmm. and Find an item similar to the one you want to sell. You may just break even on it or even lose a little bit of money, but at least you can test the market. Sure. And so um, you order, say, 10 units of five different products and throw them all on Amazon. See which ones sell, see which ones don't, and then reorder the two products that do and try to actually find a legit um, manufacturer on Alibaba and have them put your logo on it and then go through all those steps. But first, just try to flip some products quick on AliExpress and see if it's, the demand is there. 
Nice. I, I like that you said that. Actually, I just did. Um, actually, I think it's coming out tomorrow. Actually, I did a, an interview with another gentleman, and uh, he he did exactly what you just said, and um, and scaled it up to where you know now he's ordering a couple pallets at a time, uh, and um, and he's got it up to where he's doing you know close to thirteen thousand dollars a month in revenue, and he started by just having one you know, getting a sample and then putting the sample up and then selling it and then ordering five and then ordering 10, um, cause he had a smaller budget and, um, and now he's up to ordering, you know, and it's a little bit of an oversized product. So I think he's ordering like 140 or 150, whatever the, the, the skid, uh, whatever it, it holds. Um, so yeah, I, I like that you just said that because that's exactly what he was saying, and I think it's great for people to take away AliExpress. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you can buy one or two off of there, and it's pretty streamlined. Where it's basically like almost like you're going to eBay or something to go buy something, right? It's like the shipping's all calculated, all the yeah, stuff is kind of done for you. Um, yeah, it's exactly like um, ordering on Amazon. It's super easy to check out. And yeah, it's, you just fill out your name and address and the item's on its way. It sometimes takes up to two weeks for shipping, but that's it. Yeah, but they, I mean, heck, it's worth it because you know you get it you get it uh, without having to do a huge order or anything. Now, when, when you would do that, now they have their generic brand on there and stuff. Um, and again, you're going to have to have your own UPC code. Um, is that something that they'll do? Um, oh, no, I just, um, I just buy like a thousand UPC codes on eBay for like $15. Okay. And then just give it one of those UPC codes because you can just kind of throw away UPC codes when they're that cheap. Right. And so I would just assign some random UPC codes. I might give it a, like, if it's just blank, I might give it a brand name for the title, but not actually put a, have a logo put on it yet at that point because I mm-hmm. actually don't know if I'm going to move forward with that product yet or not. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was just trying to think of like what, when you would put your brand on, on the, the listing itself, you know, where it says brand that it was created by, would you use theirs or would you just come up with one that you just, kind of came up with um a, a lot of the products i look at like private labeling off of like aliexpress don't have any brand name on them yet okay okay and so, so they're just a blank slate so i can call it whatever you i can want call to. whatever you want okay cool um all right yeah that's that's really good good information there so then from there if you had a product that you felt was going to work that you were getting sales and and by at this point too you're just putting the product up there you're not really promoting it or anything correct yeah i don't really do too much product promotion Okay, so you're just finding something that's going to sell that might not be in too competitive of a market, I'm assuming, and that just, you know, you're kind of being able to be there when, when found? Yeah, I, um, I strongly believe in just having the best product at the best price, okay. and eventually the cream rises to the, t- the top. Um, I see a lot of people trying different ways of getting a bunch of reviews quickly or giving away a bunch of products to artificially increase their, their um, ranking. And I think all that stuff is kind of just temporary mm-hmm. and you're kind of just paying for success at that point. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I got rid of a thousand units in a day. And it's like, well, yeah, you gave them all away. Like yeah. that's, anyone can give product away. And so um, I since our capital is kind of more established now, I don't need these products to just fly off the shelf for me to reorder again. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it allows me to kind of just slow plate a little bit and um, just throw them on Amazon. And then you get maybe one sale the first week, you get two sales the second week, and eventually it kind of catches on. You get kind of a consistent 20 to 25 sales a, a week on my better selling products. Sure. Okay. Okay. So for you, typically, if you have a product that you're selling and you're selling you know, a few a day, you're happy with that. Yeah. Since, since my products are such, um, high ticket ones, I think my average product is around 125 to $150. Okay. And so 20% of that, if I sold 1700 listings and I got 20% of each one, I sold each item once a day, I'd be making a ton of money. 
Right, right. So you're going at definitely after higher ticket priced. Yep. Items. Okay. So do you have a minimum that you look for or um not an exact minimum. I like at least twenty dollars because you gotta think with twenty dollars after Amazon fees, the most you can make is about fourteen dollars. Right. And that's if the product costs zero dollars, right. which is impossible kind right. of thing, and shipping costs zero. And so it's like a product has to be at least around fifty dollars for me to even want to get out of bed and work on it. Okay. So you, you wanna look at it where it can it can sell for fifty so you can make so you can make your your twenty. Is that it? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so at yeah, least. that's that, that's kind of what you're looking at. Is you're you're basically saying in, in your head that after all expenses, you want to come away with a with a twenty dollar bill at, at the minimum. At the minimum. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um. Yeah. I mean, again, I, and that's why I like having people on like you. Everyone's got their own strategy, their own you know their own play. Um. I mean, even going back to the to the uh, you know giving away units, I'm not a huge fan of doing doing that repetitively. But I I do believe that just getting the sales velocity going, it can help. And not a thousand units, that would be crazy. Um. But like a uh, hundred units to to get some initial reviews. Um. I've done that and it does work. Um. But it is temporary, like you said. And and I tell anyone, you know, even people listening now is that you know you're you're doing that to get the reviews to hopefully help your conversion rates but those reviews could go away and you don't want to depend on them it's just to get the natural sales going and then once that happens then your your organic reviews start to come and and then that's kind of can can keep things going but i do agree with you that you know to to do that as a long play is not a is not a smart idea because uh, it's it's short lived and if you're banking on those reviews to stay they're probably not going to stay eventually they're going to get cleaned out yeah, ex- exactly. That is that. Like, well, like I said earlier, the cream rises to the top, and sure. so if you have a really great product and you give away a bunch and you get a bunch of um, reviews, it's still going to be a great product, and people are going to see the reviews and they're going to buy it and they're going to say, "Wow, this is great!" And your your sales velocity will stay high. Sure. But if you got a crappy product, and you give away a bunch, and you get a bunch of fake five star reviews, people are eventually going to catch on, and your product's going to sink, and you're going to have to give away a bunch more to get your ranking up again. Yeah. So yeah, if you got a great product and you want to give away some to market it that's it's going to work out in the end i promise yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no i i agree a crappy product will will not last <laughs> regardless yeah so yeah i mean that's that makes total sense so really so then you get that product going if you start to see that it gets sales then you're going to start looking at a supplier in alibaba and and trying to see how you can get that to where your obviously your cost is going to be less for the product but you're going to get the same quality Mm-hmm, exactly. Okay. Okay. And then from there, you'll order them, get them in, and then you can start now maybe giving that a little bit more attention to, you know, obviously build a listing out a little bit better, pictures, all that stuff. Yep, exactly. Yep. It, it's one of those things that, yeah, as we get more sales, I'll I'll make sure that the picture is great. I'll make sure the listing is great and all that kind of stuff. And I usually do it after the fact since we just have so much list, so many listings. And since my brother and I label every box ourselves, it's um that, that kind of stuff takes up a bunch of time. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like a lot of time. So you basically label everything, though you and your brother, before it goes into FBA. Yeah, I touch pretty much every single box before it gets into Amazon. Wow, that's that's a lot. Yeah, wow. Um, let me ask you this, then you we I'm back up just a little bit. You talked about um, you know, quality control when it comes you know comes to you. Um, what happens if you find some stuff damaged um, or stuff that didn't didn't meet your standards? Um, how do you do that with your supplier? Um, 
it really depends. Some of our suppliers we've had for a couple of years now, and we've spent a bunch of money with them. Um, we could pretty much ask them to do anything, and they'll they'll bend okay. over backwards for us. So we can say, hey, half the container was broken somehow. I don't know what happened. And since we've gotten ten other containers from them in the past that were 100% fine, they'll more times than not say, hey, sorry, we don't want to lose you as a customer. We have another half container on its way. That's fine. Okay. And then other suppliers that kind of do it um, right off the bat, uh, we'll maybe give them another chance if it's not too egregious of an error, but it's um, there's a million suppliers out there, and we're not afraid to move on at any point. Okay, good. Okay. And do you have a, 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 like a supplier's agent? Do you have an agent that kind of works for you when, when you're doing these sourcing, or do you just... Nope. I find them all myself through Alibaba or okay. the Canton Fair. Okay. Yeah, and, and let's just, let, we'll end on that part, but the Canton Fair, you, you did you go there last year? Is that it? Yeah, I went last fall. And and just give us a little run through on that. How was that and uh and what can people, you know, think of when they think of the Canton Fair? Um the Canton Fair would be the equivalent of alibaba.com, but if every time you clicked on a different supplier's link, it was actually a booth. Okay. And so you pretty much it has they sell every single product you can ever imagine under the sun. And so it's interesting because you can walk down the aisles and have a million different product ideas. Oh, wow. Because you're sitting there on Alibaba, you have to search for every individual product. Right. And so it kind of limits your creativity. But when you're walking up and down the aisles and there's 10,000 booths at the Canton Fair, you can see plenty, plenty of product ideas. And then you can walk up to the booth and say, hey, I like your product. How much does it cost per unit? They'll give you a price. and You can say, you can look it up right there on the spot on Amazon.com and say, huh, nope, that's not a very good price. And go to the booth next door who might be the competitor who might give you a lower price. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. And now do these people all speak English at the yes. booth? Every, every, um, Every manufacturer in China who is a part of the Canton Fair knows that the majority of the people spending money are Americans. Okay. And that to put their best foot forward, they um, send the person at their factory um, that speaks the best English in their booth. Okay, cool. Because, yeah, you don't want to miss out on a sale just due to communication errors. Yeah, and and so then from there, if you find a product that you you, you want and everything, um, and then do you go back home you know, or back to the office, and then from there, um, do you contact that particular person or another agent, or how does that work? Yeah, I would, um, I would kind of... If I'm serious about them, I'd go back to their booth after I talked to them the initial time and tell them, hey, expect an email from me. And um, a lot of suppliers there, too, are, will be more than willing to um, schedule a time for you to go visit their factory. Oh, nice. Okay. And so if you really want to get down to it and really see how everything's made and everything. But um, yeah, for the most part, I didn't want to write any checks or do any business while I was there because the internet's kind of iffy in China and it was hard to do research. Okay. And so I want to really make sure that this brand's legit and everything's legit before I make an order. And so I waited until I got back to the office to place any orders. Okay. I'm sure when you get back, you got to have like a hundred ideas in your head that you want to go off of, but you just can't go off of all of them. Yep. I got about a hundred missed emails and about a hundred business cards I need to go through. <laughs> wow. Eight. Um, what I did is I took pictures with the suppliers holding up the business card. Oh, wow. Nice. And so then that way, too, I can, um, when I email the suppliers after the fact, since they talk to a thousand different people, I can send, I can attach the picture of me with the supplier holding up the business card with the people in the booth. Gotcha. And so they can say, okay, yeah, I do remember that guy. Okay. That's the guy who looked like he was 14. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. That, that's, that's great. That's, that's some good stuff right there. 
Cool. All right. So I, I think we walked everybody through um, everything that I wanted to, to kind of get to. I mean, you have a, a great story. And I think that, uh, again, it's it's a unique one because everyone has a different one that I bring on here and everyone kind of, you know, has done it a little bit differently, you know. And, you know, I think that just we have to look at it as, you know, there's opportunity there. You just have to figure out a way that you're going to get into this market. Um, is there anything else that you want to leave uh, people with, you know, from your experience that are just starting? I know a lot of my listeners are either just sourcing their first product or maybe have uh, their product or two, you know, going and they're, they're trying to grow the business. Any bits of advice you wanted to give them, Will? Um, last advice I'll be giving is uh, just don't be scared. Just uh, keep moving forward. There's a bunch. There's a million little hurdles that you're gonna have to jump over, and just jump over one hurdle at a time, and don't get overwhelmed, and keep moving forward. And as long as you keep moving forward, you'll eventually have a business. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And I I think that the the obstacles are what scare people away, but it also makes it um it makes it better for you as a seller because there's a lot of people that aren't gonna go over those hurdles. So it does take your competition and kind of shrink it down a little bit. And especially if you're going oversized units like you are, um, a lot of times it, it even makes it even, you know, more narrow because a yep. lot of people don't want to go down that road. So, you know, when there's a hurdle there, the hurdle was there for someone else. And you know what, if you go over that hurdle, you're probably going to be one of the ones that, you know, decided to do it and a hundred others that didn't. Um, so yeah, exactly. I, I, I love that. I love that. You got to think of barriers to entry as your friend, not absolutely. your enemy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, everyone's saying, well, isn't Amazon going to get saturated? I don't believe it is because there's so many people that can get on, but are they going to succeed? You know, are they mm-hmm. going, are they all just going to pick the same, you know, rubber spatula that everyone's trying to sell or the, exactly. you know, the heat gloves or whatever else that you see yeah. out there, right? Air claws. Yeah. It, it, there you go. <laughs> you know, so it's like everyone just, they, they see a video on someone doing research and they jump all over it. It's like, you got to do your own research, dig a little deeper, just like you said, Will, and, and, you know, try to go after something that you're interested in. And, uh, and I, I don't think you can go wrong. So AliExpress, uh, this is the second time we've heard that as far as a great place to start and, uh, with low quantities and, and just getting the, you know, your foot in the door. So thanks for bringing that back up. Um, I, I want to thank you again, Will, for taking time out of your day. I know you're busy and, uh, I just want to say thank you. Um, I'm sure that people are going to have questions. What I'll do is I'll post a link, uh, in the show notes to this, um, to this episode, or actually from the podcast, we'll, we'll, we'll link people over. And then um, if anybody has any questions, um, I'll just uh, I'll ask you to just come on over there every now and then and, and see if anyone uh, has anything that you can answer. Yeah, too, if you just want to um, throw my Twitter up, it's at W-T-J-E-R-N, and people can ask me questions anytime. Perfect. Yeah, that'll be great. Yeah, we'll, de- we'll definitely do that. And I, I again, I just want to say thank you, and I know the audience is saying thank you, and uh, I really do appreciate it. And uh, hey, who knows, maybe in the future, we might need to have you back on to pick your brain a little more. All right, sounds good. Have a good All right. day. All right, Will. Thanks a lot, man. Yep, see ya. Take care. All right, so that is going to wrap up that interview. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I learned a lot. I hope you did. And man, Will, thank you so much for sharing all of that insight. There's a lot of information there. And, uh, you know, it's, I just want people to look at this too and say, you know what, there's a ton of different ways you can go at this. You know, Will's got a lot of skews out there, right? He's got a lot of skews. And that's one way to go at it. I personally like going after less skews, but focusing on, you know, a handful. And that's really what my model is. But you know what? Whatever works for you works for you. I know a lot of people out there that have hundreds, if not thousands, of SKUs, and that's what they do. You know, it's kind of like 
kind of casting a net over top of of all of these different marketplaces. So uh, again, it's just these interviews are to inspire you, but to also give you some nuggets along the way. And there's things that I picked up in there. Even if I don't have a thousand SKUs, I can adapt to my business. And I think the shipping information is going to help a lot of people out. And it really made me understand the process a lot, you know, a lot better. So uh, again, thank you, Will. And thanks everyone for taking the time to listen. I'm going to wrap up this show so you guys can get on with your day. And I appreciate you again. And if you want to check out the Facebook group. If you're not a a member yet, you can head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash FB, F is in Frank, B is in boy. And once again, that workshop, if you haven't watched that and you still wanted to, you can can check that out at theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. That's going to wrap it up, guys. Thank you so much. Remember, I'm here for you. I'm rooting for you. And I know that you can do this. So take care. Talk to you later.